0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Philippians. Today's episode 641. We're looking at Philippians chapter one, verses 18B through 20. Let's read our passage. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. This is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Paul's had a long, ongoing relationship with this church, and they've been very supportive of him, particularly in his imprisonment in Rome. He's nearing the end of this two-year imprisonment that we see at the end of the book of Acts and he's hoping to get some kind of disposition on his appeal that he made to Caesar. He's been offering thanksgiving for their partnership with him in the gospel, and he has talked about how the gospel is advanced, and they've been a part of that. And then he made some comments about some preach out of goodwill, recognizing that Paul is an apostle. Others preach out of selfish reasons. They obviously want things to go badly for paul for their own selfish desires but he said he rejoices that christ is preached this is dealing with his present joy what's going on now now starting in verse 18b he starts talking about his future joy he says yes and i will continue to rejoice now he explains why verse 19 because i know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the spirit of jesus christ Okay, he says, I know this will lead to my salvation. This is an exact quote from the Greek translation of the Old Testament for Job 13 16. This is Job's first speech that he makes after his alleged friends are saying that there's a problem with Job's faith, or there's a problem with Job's life, and God is punishing him, and Job comes back with, he, he has not done anything worthy of God's punishment, and that if he could make his defense and God would hear him, he knows he would be delivered. So he's speaking of his confidence that God will hear him and act on his defense. Now Paul is using that phrase, and it is verbatim exactly as the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament has Job, the Septuagint. And this is a, a case of what authors call intertextuality, that is, using words and phrases from the Old Testament and applying them to the current situation in the New Testament. So, Paul's taking these words from Job and something of Job's situation and applying it to himself. That is, he's in a bad situation, but he has confidence in God's deliverance. So, he says, lead to my salvation. There's some debate about how to take salvation. Is he talking about his eternity with God? Or is he just talking about physical deliverance? Or is he talking about all of that kind of wrapped up together? And we say, well, Paul's already saved. Well, remember, so often the New Testament writers, their view of salvation is that something that's begun, but it's not fully wrapped up until the very end. And so they often talk about salvation in future tense, even though they're very confident of their relationship with God right now. So it's hard to say, is he talking about eternity here, or is he talking about the the here and now? Is he talking about eternity with God, or that he's going to be rescued from this imprisonment and spared execution? So does he expect to be released is one of the things, and it's hard to say. Some of his discussions sound like, yes, he expects to be released. But yet, we'll see down in verse 20, he says, Christ will be highly honored by body, whether by life or by death. There he speaks that I might be executed. And is that just that, oh, I really expect to be released, but even if I'm not, I know Christ will be honored. It's hard to say. But he does know he will be vindicated by God in eternity, that regardless of what Caesar says, God will vindicate him. God will rescue him eternally. God will save him eternally. This is through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, Spirit of Jesus Christ, here's another area of debate. Is he talking about the Spirit given to him personally through his faith in Jesus Christ, or is he talking about the Holy Spirit here? And grammatically, it could go either way. He talks about Help from the Spirit. Well, help can also mean supply, which would be helping. And and it goes with how supply works with the noun spirit. Is spirit the objective, or, or is it used in a subjective sense? So if it's subjective, then it's the Holy Spirit's the one who supplies the help. If it's used in the objective sense, then it's the Spirit is the one being supplied. So is it the Spirit who is supplied or the Spirit who supplies? And grammatically, it could go either way, and theologians split either way. I think it's best to understand it as the Holy Spirit, just understanding what he's talking about here. He's talking about deliverance. Now, final Salvation because the Spirit is alive in me, that I've been brought spiritual life through Jesus Christ. Yeah, he could be talking about that. But I think he's talking about he's linking it with prayer, that your prayer is going to make a difference. I think the Holy Spirit's going to make a difference. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to empower you to be my witnesses. When you're brought before people and you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us. So I Think he means the Holy Spirit, but others would differ with me there. Now, is his final salvation affected through the prayers of others? Well, not in the sense of his relationship with God, but his condition. And that's where I think this idea of salvation is kind of a broad sense of whatever happens through this, God's going to deliver me, whether he delivers me physically, whether he just delivers me spiritually. And all of that's going to play together, and our prayers do have an impact on that. So is God changed by our prayers? Do we change God's mind when we pray? I don't think so. God's got His plan laid out, and God makes His plan work. Then what's the point of praying? Well, the point of praying is to connect with God, and God uses our prayers. There's a kind of a deep theology to this, a deep theological argument that theologians have been writing about for centuries. What's the purpose of prayer if God's going to do what God's going to do? Well, back to what's the purpose of prayer. It's not to get God to do something. It's to connect with God. And God allows us to participate in what he is doing through prayer. This is a a tough concept to get your mind around, but God often uses prayer as a means to accomplish what he intends to accomplish. You say, what? But that's where you just have to, to go with it, and you know, biblically, that, that does fit, that God desires us to pray, and then he the fact that we do pray, he uses that as part of the mechanism to make things work. Now, we have to understand, we're talking, trying to understand God here and how God works, but God does desire us to pray. He tells us to pray. And here, Paul is asking them to pray that specifically for his situation in Rome. It continues, verse 20. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Well, here he says, my eager expectation and hope. Now, we've got to remember here, hope, biblically, Hope is not a matter of wishful thinking. It's the highest degree of certainty. My hope is on this. So expectation and hope are pretty much synonyms here. That it's, I'm certain this is going to happen. I'm certain that I will not be ashamed about anything. Now, ashamed doesn't mean embarrassed. But ashamed would be disgraced. And what would be disgraceful to Paul in this situation? Failing to trust God, failing to be a witness for God. That would be the matter of shame, is not standing up for God. So he says, I'm, I won't be ashamed about anything, but that now is his courage, Christ will be highly honored. So what would be shameful, but Christ would not be highly honored? So his expectation and hope is that he won't be ashamed, but he will be a faithful witness regardless of how it turns out, that he will stay true to the gospel. He will speak up for the gospel regardless of what happens, and that he will do that with all courage. And that through it, Christ will be highly honored. Now, honored in my body. So here he's talking about the physical outcome of what happens with his appeal to Caesar. If he's released, Christ will be honored. If he's executed, Christ will be honored. Whether he's imprisoned, Christ will be honored. Whatever happens to him physically, Christ will be honored. And that will be based on his courage to stand up for the gospel. Now, shame and honor. So he doesn't want to be ashamed. He wants Christ to be honored. That pops up a few times in Psalms. Those two words together. This is another case of what they talk about this intertextuality. We're using the words and situation from Old Testament, applying it to right now. So shame and honor is like in Psalm 34, Psalm 35, you see those together. And, And Paul's using that language here, that there won't be shame because he fails to defend the gospel, but that Christ will be honored regardless of what happens. So Paul's Rejoicing that the gospel is preached, whether people are preaching out of goodwill or people are preaching out of selfish ambition. And he's going to continue to rejoice as he approaches the end of his imprisonment and his case actually comes up before Caesar's court. And that regardless of how it turns out, Paul's prayer and asking the Philippians to pray with him is that he will remain courageous and defend the gospel whether he's released, whether he's imprisoned, whether he's executed, and that through it all, Christ will be honored. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Philippians.